Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. And amen. We serve a great God. Amen. Greater than our problems. Amen. The greatest lover of all, willing to help us in whatever we're going, dealing with. Amen. Praise God. We'll turn to somebody, let them know you're glad they're here today. Give them a wave or shake a hand and you can be seated. Amen. You guys look awesome today. Amen. Well, say it with me. Say, God is good. His word is true and it works in my life. Amen. Well, we'll try that again. Say it with me. Say, God is good. His word is true. It works in my life. Amen. You know, the word of God is working in our lives. We're getting praise reports and prayer uh, back all the time from folks. Um, just want to rejoice with uh, Debbie. Debbie is having her last treatment this Wednesday. <laughs> praise God. Amen. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And we're so grateful for that. And you know, I got to tell you, he's a prayer answering God. So if you've got a need or a prayer request in your life, we want to be standing and agreeing with you in prayer so you can let us know about that. There are cards on the seat back in front of you. You can go to the website or even at the end of the service. If we haven't met your need or prayed for your need yet, you can see our prayer partners there over here on the right hand, my right, your left, uh, at the end of the service. And they'll pray and agree and stand with you for answers. And so uh, God's a prayer answering God. He meets our needs. And man, I'm glad you came to spend a little time with him and us this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome our guest if you're here for the first time. If you are here, give our guest a hand. Let them know we appreciate them. Amen. Thrilled you made it out. We consider you family, so just make yourself at home, sit back, and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And please don't even feel obligated to jump in at any point, but you're welcome to at any point as well. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, we want to worship God with our giving right now. You know, the scripture teaches us that one of the ways we worship beyond our words and our service to him and our lifestyle is through our giving. And so part of what your giving does is supports the church. And so we're thankful for your faithful giving to the church to meet the needs of the church. And so um, we want to take a moment to do that, to give, not just to meet the needs of the church, but to worship God. And so let's take a moment and do that. If you um, came prepared to give and you've got a check, no need for an offering envelope, but if you're giving cash, please put that in the offering envelope so we have a record of your gift. And you can also give online through the methods that are on the screen there. But let's pray and let's believe God for uh, good things in our life, but let's worship him most of all for what he does for us. Amen. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you so much that you love us, that you care about us, and that just as we've worshipped you as a great and mighty God with our lips, just as we'll go forth from this place and do our best to do that with our service, we also do that with our giving right now. We honor and worship you just as those three kings came and worshipped Jesus and gave things. We're doing the same. Just to let you know we're grateful that we acknowledge who you are in our life and that we want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. So I thank you for raises, jobs, promotions, and increase on the seed that's being sown for the people that are giving this morning, and I thank you for just giving back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to dismiss our kids. Before we do, though, just let you, I just want to remind you, we do have a couple of uh, needs in our children's department, so if you're interested or if this speaks to your heart, um, uh, on Wednesday nights, we still need...
for Wednesday night toddler teachers. So if you'd be interested in teaching the toddlers on Wednesday nights, that would be once a month. We would greatly appreciate you stepping forward to do that. If you're interested, see me or see Malia or see one of our leaders, and they'll get the information to the right person. And then also on Sunday mornings, I've also I've shared this several times. You know, Delise has led our nursery for probably I don't know ten years, seven years, whatever. Uh, but you know, I I, I think we think it's time for a change, and so what we're believing for is just somebody to step forward that might be willing to either do one of two things. One thing would be just to serve on a Sunday morning once a month. We could use an additional worker there, or if God would leave it, drop it in your heart, and you've been with us for a while, and we know you very well, and you're interested in uh, taking a leadership role in our nursery, we would certainly appreciate you stepping forward and letting us know about that as well. Amen? So those are a couple needs, and if you say, well, that's not me, then just believe God with me, and let's just declare that we have that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, stand to your feet with me. We want to dis uh, dismiss Joe, first through fifth graders. If you have a first through fifth grader you can dismiss them with him and give Joe a hand let him know we appreciate him amen and let's meet and greet and fellowship for a few moments bring your offerings forward and then we'll jump into the word amen all right well praise God praise God everybody say it with me say God's good the word's true works in my life Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, once again, thrilled uh, you're out today and glad you guys got a few seconds to fellowship. We want to welcome those that are viewing online. Give those folks a hand. Let them know we're glad they're with us. Amen, amen, amen. And, uh, and just want to remind those that are online as well, if you have a prayer request or prayer need, you can just put it in the comments section or you can actually go online and uh, go to our website. We've got a prayer request form you can fill out and we'll get those prayed for and believe God for answers in your life as well. But um, what I want to do today is I want to continue the series I've been teaching for God so loved the world. This may be, uh, I don't think it's going to be the last, but I think we're getting close to the end of what we have in, on this particular topic. But um, John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 is our um, opening text, so we'll read that. And then let's just believe God for answers uh, and uh, believe that he'll uh, just sort of uh, touch our lives where we need to hear from him today. Amen. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is the truth. And I thank you that as we share your word this morning, that your spirit will rest upon those words. And that it will uh, deposit grace in our hearts, it will impact our lives in such a way that we're better, we're more equipped, we're more like Jesus. I pray that there will be a true moving forward in our lives and our relationship with him so that we can truly say, as I say every week, that we are better because we came to church this morning. So I give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, in this series, I've said we're focusing on the fact that God loves the world. Everybody say the world. And we pointed out that that word, the world, is defined uh, uh, clearly by, by the context that it's in uh, are those that have not accepted Christ. I mean, we were all in that situation at one point in our life. And so God loves the lost world. And he loves the world so much that he gave his son to die for him. And so we pointed out, you know, and, and we've actually done this series on the heel of talking about the love of God for many, many months. And we said really this, that, that any successful quest to understand God's love for us will culminate in a heart that we have 
for the world around us because God loves the world. And if our quest to know God's love and to know him and to grow closer to him doesn't impact us in a way that we want to reach out to others, that we aren't compelled to want to tell others about our relationship with him, then, then there's more to work to be done in us understanding God's love. And so in this series, what we're really talking about is the fact that God's love, he loves us, yes, individually, but he wants that love to flow through us to a lost world around us. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, we see this in the original covenant he made with Abraham way back, way, way back ago. It says, it says, I will make you, speaking to Abraham, he says, I will make you a great nation. And notice this, he said, I will bless you. Have me realize that's good news this morning, that God will bless you. But notice the next statement, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Everybody say blessed. blessed. To be a blessing. See, for us to be fulfilled in our life, for us to be satisfied in our life, we have to understand that God created us and designed us in such a way that not only are we to be blessed by Him and loved by Him, but we are to allow His love to throw, flow through us to others. And you won't be satisfied until you begin to learn to allow that to happen through your life. You know, there are many, many believers that are seeking God and hungry for God. They become very focused to the point that they're blinded. They don't see around them. They only look vertically. They do their morning devotions. They read their promise scriptures. They talk about how much God wants to bless them. And he said there, I want to bless you, right? But he said, I want to bless you to the end that I can pour my love through you to others. And so I'll never forget this. I say this all the time. The purpose for us living. What is your purpose? What is the reason God created you? To be loved by him so that you could love others. That is the reason God created us. And so it's important for us to remember that. And so we took some time for, uh, to really uh, take a look at God's nature of love as well in his love for the world around us. You know, um, the, the, we pointed this out last week that the world is trying to define what love is, right? But, but how many of you realize the scripture gives us the truth of what love is, right? And the world tries to define love as this sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, all-inclusive, you know, I'll just accept you for whatever you are, and I'll accept you for whatever you're doing, and I'll just uh, accept it and, not, and not, not oppose it or not, not bring it out that it might be hurtful to you. I just love you because you just, you just embrace your own truth. How many of you realize that the world's pushing that narrative, Right? But, but the, the love that God offers is not that kind of love. That is not God's love. As a matter of fact, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say, He brought him into the world not to condemn the world, but it says this, that the world through him might be saved. Everybody say saved. That word saved, is, it signifies that there's something that the world needs to be brought out of. There's something that the world needs to be saved from, right? So for a person to accept and to understand and to acknowledge the love of God, they must understand that he loves you enough to tell you the truth. To not just cater to you even if what you're doing is harmful to yourself, right? Even if you don't think what you're doing is harmful to yourself, but he said in his word that it is, right? Because God knows better. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of destruction. So we can be arrogant enough to think we know better than God, but if God says in his word that it's harmful to you, that it's hurtful to you, that it's sin, right? See, you realize when God calls out sin, he's not pointing at it like, that's sin. Like, it's never condemning. He's telling you what sin is because sin brings pain. 
Sin brings pain to you, and sin can bring pain to others. And what God says is, is I love you enough to tell you the truth, right? So when we talk about a God that loves the world, God loves a world in such a way that it requires a world to acknowledge that I, I need what he has and not what I have, right? I need to embrace his way of living instead of my way of living. And if my way of living is contrary to his, then it requires me to repent from that so that I can accept what he has to offer me. And so we pointed out that God's love is a love that doesn't just offer acceptance. It offers acceptance only if it's preceded by repentance. And when I say repentance, I'm not talking about a decision. to. Tr I'm not talking about you trying to clean yourself up. What I'm talking about is, is a heartfelt conviction that says, you know what? I now recognize that he knows better than I do, that he's going to be my Lord, so I need to bend my knee to what he says because he's looking out for my best interest. So I repent of what I think is right, and I turn and accept what he has to offer. And so that's what real love is. Real love says that I love you enough to tell you the truth even if it's going to hurt you. Now last week we talked about, you know, uh, what, or should I say who, should we deliver the world, to, who should we deliver, be delivering to the world? And, and the answer is obvious, it's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ <coughs> and him crucified. How many of you realize Christ was not Jesus' last name? When we say Jesus Christ, we're actually saying Jesus, the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one, the sent one, the Messiah. And so what, what Paul said is, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with a theology. I didn't come to you with a doctrine. I didn't come to you with some thought that you need to embrace. I came to you with a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And we really stressed that last week, that what we're delivering to people is not a theology. What we should deliver to people is a very real person, the person of Jesus. See, when you accepted Christ, you didn't accept an idea. You didn't accept a theology. You accepted the person, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And he came to live in your heart. You know, I, I had the, the privilege, I'd say the privilege, of doing a funeral for a family that I really didn't know very well this week. But one of the things I shared in that funeral was this, is that Jesus is real. And what we're called to deliver to the world around us is not some thought, some doctrine, some argument of why we're right and other religions are wrong. What we're called to deliver is the person of Jesus Christ. Hey, this is who he is. This is who I've met. And I want you to meet him as well. And so what I want to do today is, as a matter of fact, what we said was, and then once we do that, we said that once we deliver Jesus to the world, we introduce them, we said it's important for us to just get out of the way and let him do what he wants to do. Because, you know, sometimes we think we have to convince somebody, twist their arm to believe, but I'll tell you something, you introduce people to Jesus, you share him in a right way, and you walk away and let that just simmer. You let that seed just set. And you let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with them because that seed is an anointing, incorruptible seed. God has a way of dealing with people. And we see that very clearly in John chapter 6 and verse 17. Jesus said these words. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, he was telling his disciples, I'm going to go away. <coughs> and it's to your advantage that I do. For if I do not go away, the helper, everybody say the helper. 
Well, who is the helper? Well, in John, over in John chapter 14, he tells us the helper is the Holy Spirit. So the helper here is, is, is the third person of the Godhead, a very real person. It's not some entity. The Holy Spirit is not some cloud. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is a very real person just like Jesus and God the Father are. And he said, it's important for you that I go away, for if, you don't, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, notice what he does. See, notice this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When he is come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Everybody say sin. Everybody say righteousness. Everybody say judgment. He says the Holy Spirit has this capacity, right? How many, how many, I've never seen the Holy Spirit. I've never seen him with my own eyes. Uh, maybe there are those that have, but I haven't. But I will tell you that the Bible teaches us that when we are gathered together in his name, the person of the Holy Spirit is here right now. He is hovering over you. He is shrouded about you. He is here right now. And what this verse of Scripture says, if there is anyone that happened to be in this service who has not accepted Christ, this is what he will deal with that individual about. Everybody say the world of sin. See, here's something you need to understand about the Holy Spirit, and I need to do a whole other teaching on the Holy Spirit, I guess, at some point to really clarify this. But as a believer, this is not what he's going to convict you of. He's going to do other things in your life as a believer. But for the world, the lost world, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we deliver Jesus to a lost world and we step away and get out of the way, the Holy Spirit begins to deal with a man's heart on these three subjects. First, he begins to deal with the man because of sin. Verse 9 said, sin because they do not believe on me. See, he begins to deal with the man to recognize that without Christ, I can't be forgiven because I'm a sinner. He begins to deal with the world about the fact if we properly portray who Jesus is to the world around us, that, that I can't be saved in and of myself. I can only be saved if I have a Savior. And it goes on to say of righteousness, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So not only that, not only can I not be saved without Jesus, but I can't be right with God unless I accept what he did for me. And what he did for me, what that verse says, is he went to the Father and applied his blood to make men right with God if they'll only accept it. Aren't you glad you've accepted it? And this morning you're right with God. Not because of what you've done or what you're going to do, but because of what he did. Hallelujah. Amen? And then last of all, it says he'll deal with the world because of judgment. See, a lot of people think that means that he's going to say, you're going to be judged one day. But then he clarifies the judgment. The judgment he deals with them about is not the judgment of them. Because the recognition of your sin and the recognition that he can remove it eliminates judgment for them. If they'll accept it. What does he judge the world of? Judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. If we properly introduce Jesus to the world, the Holy Spirit will take those words and begin to deal with people about the fact that Jesus judged the ruler of this world and stripped him of his power so that they can be free from whatever bondage it is that they are being held captive by. See, that's why we tell people Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world because every problem they have has been dethroned and depowered because of what he did at the cross and rising from the dead. 
And so today what I want to talk to you about is really this. I want to take a few moments. Everybody say, let's get practical. I want to take a few moments today to talk to you about how to properly introduce Jesus to the world in a way that when you walk away, the Holy Spirit can deal with them about those three things. Because I don't want anybody to think that what I've said is that we don't need to tell people about Jesus because the Holy Spirit will deal with them. Because the Scripture properly teaches us that unless they hear words preached from the mouth of a human being, people cannot be saved. Notice Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. It says, How then shall they call on Him, speaking of Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You want to know one of the reasons I announced at the first of this year that in September we're going to be doing a 24K, a $24,000 gold giving experience in our church to be able to give and support missionaries and, and ministries around the world that are sharing the gospel. You want to know why I did that? Because I recognize this verse is true. That unless people go and tell others about Jesus, they can't call on him. The Holy Spirit can't take that seed and germinate it and work over it. And so we're going to do this in September, in a Sunday in September. I'm encouraging everybody even now to begin saving. People have come up to me and said, well, can I give to that now? No, I don't want your money right now. I don't want it in, my, I don't want it in the church accounts. I want you to methodically over the next six months or so to set aside money coming in September because we're going to take every dime that you give. The minute it comes in, the Monday it's going out. We're going to sow it into the six ministries that we support that are doing good to share the gospel around the world. We're not going to keep a dime of it. And so I just want you to be begin planning about that, thinking about that. You say, how are we going to raise $24,000? Think about it for a minute. If each one of us set aside just $100 every once in a while, we each could get, probably get there real easy. I'm believing we're going to blow that number out of the water because we care about what God cares about, and that is that the gospel would be preached in all the world, and then the end will come, Right? And so what we recognize is, is in order for men to be convicted of their sins and to accept Jesus Christ, we have to introduce him properly to the world around us. And so what I want to talk to you about today, and this is your takeaway truth, I want to talk to you about how to introduce Jesus to the world. And this is real simple. I'm going to give it to you up front. Are you ready for this? And then I'm going to support it. When introducing Jesus to the world, I want to make it real simple, just tell him who he is, what he's done, and who he is today. Everybody say, who he is, what he's done, and who he is today. If you, can say, if you can share those three simple things with people, people can walk away from that moment with you, and the Holy Spirit can deal with them on sin, righteousness, and judgment and give them the best opportunity to make a choice for Christ. They'll have a choice to make. But it'll give them the best opportunity to do that. Now, what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to share with you scriptures that support who he is, what he's done, and who he is today. But I want you to not get so wrapped around the axle that you have to remember and feel like you have to methodically share this with somebody. No, I want you just to be able to share from your own heart who he is, what he's done, and who he is today. Right? I want you to remember something and always keep this in mind. How many of you realize in the book of Acts there was not a book of Acts? It hadn't been written yet. How many of you realize in the book of Acts there wasn't a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that had been shared and compiled into a New Testament yet? 
How many of you realize in the book of Acts, there were no epistles yet that had been compiled and make up what we call our Bible today? Thank God we have that. It was a move and a, of God to compile scriptures. It is a holy thing that we should not belittle. But I want you to know something. What the uh, early disciples shared was not chapter and verse of who Jesus was. It was a personal experience of who he was and who they knew him to be because they had met him and knew him. And so what I'm going to share with you today is actual New Testament scriptures. Thank God we have those now to support us and keep us in line and keep boundaries upon what we believe about Jesus so we don't get all these fruity ideas that the world has about who he is. Right? But I'm going to share with you scriptures that are really, it's a really simple message. I would, I would bet you that most of you, if I ask you right now just to say it, you could tell it right now. But I'm going to support just real quickly for you who he is, what he's done, and who he is today. And if we learn to introduce people to Jesus that way, what do you mean introduce him? Like you would at a party, right? If you're at a party with somebody and you got your friend with you and you introduce them, do you look for chapter and verse and a resume to hand to somebody? Here's his resume and it says right here that he did. No. You just say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend. This is who he is to me. This is what he's done for me. And, and this is what he, you know, I mean, we introduce him, right? It's just a, a casual but very real introduction. And I want to talk to you today about equipping you not to become a Bible scholar. Not to become somebody that is well-versed in the Romans road if you grew up in the Baptist church and you know what that is. How many of you know what that is? <laughs> but just to be somebody that knows how to introduce the Jesus of the Bible that you personally know. And so what's the first step? The first step is to tell them who he is. Who is Jesus? Real simple. Here it is, and I'm going to support it with Scripture. He is God come in the flesh to save us from our sins. That is the essence of who Jesus is. Everything around, everything else in Scripture that supports and tells us the different aspects of who he is are all centered around this truth that he is God. He wasn't an angel, he wasn't a prophet, he wasn't just a teacher, he was God, come in the flesh. Because there are some people that will tell you otherwise. But the early disciples understood that he was actually God, come in the flesh, to save us from our sins. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Everybody say the word. That word, word is the word, it's actually describing who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was, God, was with God, and the word was God. Everybody say the word was God. So Jesus was God at the beginning. He didn't begin to exist the day he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He was God at the very beginning. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. That's pretty emphatic. Jesus is God. Amen? goes on to say in verse 14, and there's a lot in between there. You can go back and read. But go down to verse 14. It says, and the word. What word? This word, this Jesus, that was God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus became God in the flesh. 
We're going to read a scripture in just a moment that points out to us that there was a moment in time in the history of man where God looked at the plight of man. He was separated with man, from man because of his sin. And Jesus made a choice to say, I'm going to choose to become something a little bit less than just God, but a little bit more than anything that had ever been created. I'm going to make a choice to come to earth and become man with God living in him. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Notice this, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus was in the form of God and realized it was not robbery, it was not injustice to call himself God because he was God. Verse 7 says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and, and coming in the likeness of men. And so Jesus decided to allow himself to come, put on a flesh body and become a man. So first thing, who is Jesus? He is God, come in the flesh, and we're going to see in a moment, to save us from our sins. Number two, what did he do? The second thing you tell people is what he did. Tell them that he chose to die on a cross and substitute for us to save us from our sins. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 8. Five through eight. I won't read all of them. I'll just pick up at verse 7 because we just read it. It says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Notice this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus was God come in the flesh. Why did he come in the flesh? To die on a cross for us. He came to allow himself the one who lived a perfect life and never sinned, he allowed himself to die the death of a sinner. He allowed himself to be crucified by sinful men as a sinful man, even though he was not a sinful man. Why did he do that? To save us from our sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you have sinned before? My God, I know I have. Amen. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. We've all, and, and I don't just mean mistakes. Some of it has been egregious what we've done. We've all sinned, and that, that, the Bible says that leaves us short of the glory of, of the glory, the presence of God. It separates us from God. And so for us to have a relationship with God, that sin separated us. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That sin is death. It's separation from God. But the gift of God, See, there was a gift. Jesus came to give us a gift, and that gift was that he would die on a cross in our place to take our judgment upon himself. And not only to take our judgment upon himself, but to actually become our sin. Do you realize, I mean, I want you to think about the nature of that for a moment. I want you to think about the horrific nature of what he decided to do for us because, you know, one of the scriptures says we love him because he first loved us. And part of the story we have to tell to the world around us is that he loved us so much that they can see that love in what he did. And what he did was he allowed himself, who was sinless, to be hung on a cross and become the very sin. I mean, <coughs> think about this for a moment. The most, 
excuse me, <laughs> the most vile thing you could have ever done or that you have ever done. You know, God doesn't remember that if you've asked for forgiveness, but, you know, sometimes we have a hard time forgetting that. I want you to think about that sin. Jesus, the perfect, sinless Lamb of God, decided to climb on a cross or be placed on a cross, and he became your sin so that it could be judged and so that you could be forgiven. His arms were stretched out and nails driven in his hands and feet. His side was pierced and he died an agonizing death as sin even though he was not. Why? So he could save us from that sin. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 in the, in the Passion Bible says it so clearly. It says, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you could dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you. He sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. See, Jesus, who was he? God come in the flesh. What did he do? Save us from our sinful nature so that we could be right with God. And then the last thing you tell people is you tell him who he is today. You don't just tell him that he died on a cross. Because how many of you realize he rose again? You tell him not only that he died, but he rose on the third day. Why did he rise on the third day? He rose on the third day to give us something. First of all, when he rose, he accomplished something. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus himself tells us what he accomplished. He said, I am the living one. How many of you realize he's alive? He is the living one. He is moving in these aisles this morning whether you sense him or not. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And notice what he says here. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. See, you tell him who he is today. You tell him not only did he die for our sins, but he rose from the dead and he took away the power of darkness and its ability to be able to reign over mankind. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11 tells us who he is. In verse 16 it says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is he today? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords to whom every knee will bow one day and every tongue will confess that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life, no matter how much I believe my way was the way, the truth, and the life. He's going to, do, that's who he is today. But here's the thing about God and Jesus. He didn't just raise from the dead to wield keys and tell us that he's king of kings and lord of lords. He did it to share that victory with us. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, for those that have called upon him, he has delivered us. Everybody say, I'm delivered. Right now, whatever you're dealing with, 
by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you what he says to you today. You are delivered. You're not looking to be delivered. You're not hoping to be delivered. You are delivered. Why? Because of what he did. Surely, and notice it says, he has, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed unto us or into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Notice what he did. He took the keys of death and hell. He became king of kings and lord of lords. And he says, look, I'm taking you with me. He's delivered you from the power of darkness so that the works of the enemy. What are the works of the enemy? Sin, sickness, poverty, lack, emotional, well, not, well, not being well emotionally, depression, Right? He came to set you. You're not bound by those things any longer if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. He has translated you from the kingdom and the power of darkness. See, we need to understand that when Jesus did what he did, he didn't do it to prove he was king of kings and lord of lords. He was already king of kings and lord of lords before he ever came. He did it for us. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed he conquered death hell and the grave so that we could have all the things that are opposite of what we see in that verse Jesus who is he God come in the flesh to die on a cross for our sins. What did he do? He died on a cross for our sins and he rose from the dead and conquered death, hell, and the grave to be able to set mankind free. As the musicians come, I, want to talk, I just want to stress to you that once you've done that, once you've told them who he is, what he did, and who he is today, then just tell him this, like you would at a party. He's my friend. He's my savior. He's my Lord, and I would like for you to meet him. It's that simple. That's not a hard message. You don't have to go into all the scriptures. If you're sharing the truth of the message, the essence of the truth, the spirit rests upon. Now, if you go out there sharing something that's not in line with scriptures, that's an issue, right? But if you're declaring the essence of truth, it's the same thing that Peter declared on, in Acts chapter 2. It wasn't a scripture or a verse necessarily. There was some Old Testament stuff he shared. But a lot of times it was just, have you met Jesus? Who's Jesus? He's God come in the flesh. He died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again to give you victory and peace and joy and a relationship with God. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. How do you introduce somebody to Jesus? Tell him who he is, tell him what he did, and tell him who he is today, and then invite them to receive him, to say, I believe on your name. I believe in who you are. I believe in what you did. And I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my friend as well. Amen? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world so much that he gave us Jesus. 
And as we learn about his love for us, it should compel us that he loves us so much that we just have to let somebody else know who he is. You know, I'm often reminded, it sort of pales in comparison to the love we have for Jesus, but, you know, I often think about how, you know, um, a guy and a girl can meet the person they're going to marry and they initially fall in love with them and, then, and at the very outset of that relationship they're so excited the girl's telling all her girlfriends about him oh he's so great let me t right why because she's in love with him if we truly love the father and his love has touched us and Jesus's love has touched us we're going to want to tell the world who he is what he's done right and who he is today. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much. That is a very often told story that I told today of who he is, what he did, and who he is today. But I pray the simplicity of that message will permeate our hearts so that we're not restricted in our sharing of who he is, that the, just the essence of it will be able to tell that story. And then we'll be able to step away and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work on the lives and hearts of those that we touch that do not know You. Thank You for that, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Father, we just wait on You a moment. We want to do what You would have us do at the conclusion of this service. Holy Spirit, have Your way amongst us. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you just understand now who he is, what he's done, and who he is today. He's the Lord of Lords that you should bow your knee to. And you've never done that before. You've never accepted him, but you would like to do that for the very first time. Would you raise your hand right now and say, yes, that's me. I want to accept him. I'm just going to wait just a moment. Anyone at all? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, stand to your feet with me. Shannon, I'm going to ask you to just lead us in a word of worship, thanking God for who he is, what he's done. But as we're singing and as we're worshiping, <coughs> before we're dismissed, he came to set us free, right? He conquered the power of darkness. And if you are struggling with anything in your life this morning, as we're singing, as we're worshiping, feel free to make your way to the front. I'd like to agree with you and pray with you. If, you, if it's not you, that's fine. But if you have an immediate need in your life and you know, he came to set me free, but I'm struggling with this, I'd like you to agree with me so that I can live free like he made me to be. Amen? Amen. Shannon, go ahead and lead us in a place of worship for a moment. Let's just thank him for what he's done for us. You are beautiful Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here and you need to come, go ahead and come. I just want to give you a moment. Too marvelous for words. Just worship. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen or heard.
Thank you for what he did, that he accomplished what he came for. He died, he rose again, he presented his blood to the Father. Thank you for that, to make us right with God. And not only that, but he did rise from the grave to conquer the power of darkness so that we could live victoriously. So that when problems raise their head, we don't have to be bound by them, but we can live above them and walk through them or over them or around them or be sustained in them because of who he is what he did and who he is today we worship him in Jesus name amen and amen well prayer partners if you'll make your way to the front right over here to my right your left if there was a need and maybe you just didn't come forward but you'd like someone to agree with you come tell them what you're dealing with they'll stand and agree and pray with you Buzz is a good guy he doesn't bite amen Amen. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as I dismiss you this morning. Father, thank you so much for each person here. Thank you for each person that is watching online or will listen online as well. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will go with them. If they haven't accepted you, they'll open their heart to you. If they have accepted you, I thank you that their angel, your angels are camped about them to keep them safe and protected, to bear them up and keep them safe under the shadow of your wings that they will not dash their foot against the stone, that no harm will come nigh their dwelling, no pestilence will attack itself and attach itself to them, and that they will fulfill their days in joy as they tell others about who Jesus is, what he's done, and who he is today. I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a good week. Maybe we'll see you Wednesday night. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.